Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We just had a, I'd had a word from somebody, and they felt that we shouldn't assume that everything is okay. That we should always need to pray for people and for each other and to pray specifically for our church. That was just a word of encouragement. So Mike, can I invite you up? and We'll pray for you. So if you guys join with me, just stretch out your hands towards Mike and um, just lift him up. So, yeah, Heavenly Father, thank you for this man, Lord. Thank you that he's a man of God. Thank you that you are using him, Lord, in a powerful way, Lord, to transform his community, Lord, the community where you've called him and the community where he serves. So now, by your power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, fill him with your light, the light that casts out all darkness. Anoint his lips, Lord, for the words that you want him to share with us tonight, Lord. And I pray, Lord, you open our hearts and you perform open heart surgery, Lord, on us tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, come fill Mike. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. That's great. So just, uh, just a little moment of quiet. Okay. Lord, open our, our ears and our hearts now to your word. The word that you yourself spoke. Amen. So last Sunday evening... <coughs> Chip began a new series focusing on the so-called seven I am statements of Jesus. Jesus speaking of himself using that phrase which, which um, although we get it translated into Greek, echoes uh, the Hebrew um, name that God gives for himself, I am. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I am. So last week, uh, Jip began with Jesus' powerful statement about himself, an invitation to us. I am the bread of life. God is the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never thirst. And today, Jets asked me to speak on Jesus' no less forceful declaration about himself. I am the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Perhaps you, Shalaji, perhaps you could just put that phrase up on there. Just the first verse of the reading. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There it is. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We've heard these kinds of phrases of Jesus so frequently that we often forget how shocking they were for the first people who heard them, how shocking they really are to them, to, to us, if we understand what's being said. We light a candle and we say, Jesus is the light of the world. I say that every time, uh, or uh, uh, actually um, Sam does it for me, every time we go to collective worship at school, Say, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and he says, you are the light of the world. That's why we're praying, that's why we're lighting the candle. And it trips off our tongue. But in fact, this is a huge claim. No wonder the Pharisees challenged Jesus when he said this. Let's just take a moment to think how big a claim it is. So, light is, not surprisingly, a really powerful image for the New Testament writers, for Jesus speaking and for the other New Testament authors writing about him. And that's not surprising in a world that has no electric light. So in, in the evening, all you've got is your little, little candle flame, your little oil lamp, and that's it to show you around the house. Once it's dark outside, it's really, really dark. There are no street lamps, there are no, you know, there are no car headlights. It's dark outside. And when it's dark, you can't see. Dark hides danger, it hides evil. In the dark, nothing gets done and you can lose your way. You don't have night shifts when there are, there's no lighting. In the dark, you can't see who, who's coming towards you or what they're planning to do. So Jesus and the New Testament writers make great use of this powerful symbol, light. And when they thought of light, when the people listening to Jesus and the disciples thought about light, they weren't primarily thinking about their candle flame, about their, their little oil lamps. They were thinking of the sun, hot, blazing, blinding, glorious, giving light to the whole world. So light primarily, in the image of the, of the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, is about creation. It's about the coming out of darkness of this glorious light. Genesis 1-3 says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And that image is then applied to God himself in John 1, verse 4. We heard it at Christmas. The word was God. In him was life. And that life was the light of men and women. Well, in John's gospel, this image of light builds and builds through the gospel. And Jesus adds more and more ideas to this concept. 
So in John 3.21, it's the light of moral choice. Those who do what is right comes to the light, come to the light, so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. And therefore, in John 11, 9 to 10, it becomes the light of guidance showing you the way to go. Are there not 12 hours in daylight, Jesus says? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It's when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. And in chapter 12, verse 35, you're going to have the light just a little while longer, says Jesus. Clearly, he's talking about himself. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark doesn't know where he's going. So the light of Jesus has become the light of guidance. And therefore, it's the light of judgment, exposing our darkness. John 3, verse 19 Jesus says, and judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness rather than light because their actions were evil. In John 9, 39, he develops it. I entered this world to give judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. And so Paul in Ephesians 5, verse 13 says, their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, the light of judgment. On the other hand, Christ's light shining through us becomes the light of goodness. Ephesians 5, 8 to 9, Paul says, Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, because it's the light of our relationship with God in Jesus. John 12, verse 36, Jesus says, put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become children of the light. And so then, in Ephesians 1 to 18, it's the light of hope. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he has called, his holy people who are his rich and holy and glorious inheritance. In the end, it's going to be the light of new creation, not the original creation of Genesis 1-3, but new creation. In Revelation 21-11, we read this. The holy city shone with the glory of God. Revelation 21, verses 23 to 24. It has no need of the sun or the moon, for the glory of God illuminates this city and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. So, John goes on, Revelation 22 verse 5, there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. And so, indeed, it's the light of the glory of God 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, the God who created physical light at the beginning, now makes his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Because ultimately, coming right back to the beginning, 
This is the light of God. 1 John 1, 5. John says, This is the message that we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I once heard a preacher describing his childhood in middle America. One day, this is a village, this is a town that had no electric light. And one day, posters went up all around the town saying, it's coming. Electricity is coming to our town. And night by night, the amazed inhabitants would go out to the edge of the village and the edge of the town and they would see what had been darkness of the prairies going to the, to the horizon. Now, little patches of light were springing up, coming nearer day by day, nearer and nearer. The kingdom of electricity was coming towards them. But in these days of preparation, as people were getting ready, as cables were being laid, the townsfolk, each household had to decide were they going to join in or not. Were they going to have cables laid and electric light bulbs fitted, or were they going to stick with their candles and their lamps? They had to choose. Will you be in the kingdom of light or remain in a household of darkness? This is the light that Jesus declares himself to be. The light shining in the darkness. Here we are now in John chapter 8 verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Will we join the kingdom of light? When at the end of John's gospel, Judas makes his decision to betray Jesus, John says starkly, John 13, verse 30, as soon as Judas had taken the bread from Jesus, he went out, and it was night. The light has failed. He is no longer walking in the light, but in darkness. Will you let the light of Jesus shine upon you? The light of creation and new creation. The light that shows you the path ahead and exposes your choices. The light of relationship with God. The light of hope and joy in the glory of God's presence. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who walks behind me, he who follows me, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Will you walk in his light? Charlie, come and read the rest of the passage.
the rest of the reading is um, following on from John chapter 8, um, verses 12 to 20. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but I will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. The other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Thank you, Charlie. Just keep your finger in that place, or rather keep that open before you. For those of us who have set our face to walk in Christ's light, we sometimes feel that the world around us has grown very dark. It's like you're standing in a lighted doorway, you've opened the door, and it's night outside, and somehow, because you're in the light, everything outside looks much darker. I don't know if you've had that experience. You're, um, you're walking with a torch, um, and somehow, because you've got the torch on, everything out there seems even darker. I wonder if sometimes you find yourself in dilemmas, not because you're lost in the dark and unsure which way to go, but rather the opposite, that you know exactly which way you ought to be going, but the darkness of other people's expectations and pressure on you is pressing around you. Are there ungodly activities which others are pressing you into, pressing upon you? I don't know, I'm just throwing out some ideas, but what are, the, what, what are the kinds of things that you find you're tempted to do because other peer pressure is pushing you into it? Maybe shoplifting or drink driving or sexual temptation, unkind gossip, backhanders, illegal or immoral corner cutting if you're in uh, some kind of, um, some kind of uh, work where you... Uh, where you're purchasing or you're, um, or you're in charge of standards. Ignoring other people's wrongdoing or colluding with it yourself. In the light of Christ's holiness, we can see the path by which we ought to be walking. We know how we ought to follow Jesus. But sometimes that path seems very hard for us to walk on. It will be easier to slide off into the dark. Chit told a very funny 
story this morning. I'm not going to tell it this evening because I might use it on a later occasion if Jit doesn't get there first. It's a very funny story. But it speaks of somebody who's deciding it would be easier just to blend with the crowd. Is that how it is for us? We need to remember Jesus' call. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Of course, that is a whole lot easier if we're walking together. If this is a scenario that you're facing at work, how much easier if you've got a colleague who's prepared to stand with you in it? If this is something at home, how much easier if you have a friend who will pray and support you? This is why we meet here, for each other. So that as we think about the week to come, we can support and encourage each other in the challenges that we're going to face. So it's a shame if we hold on, if we keep quiet on the things that are tempting us, the things that we're struggling with, the things that are challenged to our character, if we're embarrassed by that, because that means we lose the support of each other. And that's why we're always saying, are you in a house group? Are you getting support? Are people praying for you? Put your hand up here if you're in a house group. Put your hand up if you're in a house group. Okay, that's great. Well done. Put your hands down. There are a few people whose hands didn't go up. Okay, you know who you are. Nobody else does because they weren't looking. If you're not in a house group, think hard. Is this a year in which I could join one? Because then I would be able to share the things that are really going on in my life and people would be able to encourage and support me in it in walking in the light behind Jesus and not in the dark? Or is it that walking in the light, publicly letting people know that you are Jesus' follower and therefore you're behaving in a different way to other people, that you find hostile accusers, people who sneer at you, people who say, poof, you Christians, just like Jesus did. Don't be dismayed if that's the case. Don't be surprised. Jesus said that's going to happen to his followers too. But don't be dismayed because Jesus is there before you. I wonder if such people even make the same charges against you as they made against Jesus, as the Pharisees made against him. Something like this. Here you are saying that you know better than us, saying you're following the truth the way, the right way. Why should we believe you? You're voting for yourself. Your self-authorization isn't valid. I'm sorry to say our answer may not satisfy them at all. In fact, it might just wind them up. But in essence, it can be the same to Jesus. Either we can answer them in this way or we can answer the accusation we hear in our own hearts. And it goes like this. Even if No one else speaks for me. It doesn't matter because I know where I'm going. But you guys, you have no idea where I've come from and where I'm going. You're judging by human standards. You look at things according to what makes human sense, according to what you can work out from your own short-term agendas, what you can figure out for yourself as a human being from a human perspective. 
I'm not here to judge you. God's going to do that. You'll stand before him, not before me. But even if I were to judge you, it would be from a completely different perspective from the way that you're judging me. Because it would be from my Heavenly Father's perspective. I can't tell you how often I have heard this accusation against me, against Christians, against God. I can't believe in a God who would behave like that. Well, I can sympathize with the, um, with the accusation, with the protest, but it completely fails to understand that it is not God who is the object of our scrutiny. It is we who are the object of God's scrutiny. I'm sure you know the story of the, um, of the famous art gallery with the great masterpieces displayed on the walls. And the um, steward who used to sit on a chair, checking that nobody set light to anything, just by one of the famous masterpieces. And he would listen to all of the opinions that were aired as people stood in front of this, um, this great painting. And on one occasion, after a particularly arrogant young man had offered his loud opinions to the room, this humble steward was heard to remark quietly, it's not the painting which is on trial today. What if God were to say to us the same thing that we say to him? I can't accept a man who would behave like that. Thank God he doesn't. That our acceptance is based not on our goodness, but on his love for us and our willingness to receive it and to trust him. If we've chosen to stand in the light of Christ, we are certainly exposed to his truth and his mercy. But at the same time, we're protected from the sneering judgments of others. Because in the final analysis, literally, before the throne of judgment, it won't matter a jot what they thought of us. They never had the right to judge us. That right belongs to Christ alone. And he's made it clear that our judgment is not based on how we act, but on whether we are willing to walk in the light of Christ. That judgment has already been made. As Jesus says in John 3, 17 to 21, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done 
has been done by God. For this is the final judgment, whether we have known the Father, and more importantly, whether the Father has known us or has said of us, I never knew you. You do not know me or my Father, Jesus warns the Pharisees. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. Well, we do know the Father. Jesus tells us in John 14, verse 9, anyone who has seen me, anyone who's seen Jesus, has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? And in verse 21, he adds, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. And that clearly will be enough. So as you face your dilemmas in this coming week, determine to take your decisions in the light of Christ. Don't fear the judgment of those who choose another path and find people to walk with you down that same path to stand with you and pray for you. Jesus says to you, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. His on prayer ministry team and there will also be prayer ministry at the back as well but just a time for us to respond to what God's been saying to us this evening so um, that because I go to the Father um, greater things than these will you do Jesus uh, spoke to us this morning about um, that gifting that God gives us um, in the body of Christ. And I just had a strong uh, sense that maybe we should be praying for one another for him to release those gifts, particularly those gifts of healing amongst us. And so I wonder if anybody uh, senses that and just would like to come alongside us just so we can pray for one another for that um, special gifting from God, for those gifts to be released for his people. Please stand and ask God.